Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Demi Moore. All they wanted was a little getaway. Give me the keys, Mike. What is this place? Okay, let's eat. Hands on a log, man. How about a night for Wyatt Buck? All they got was nothing but trouble. Hey! Ah! Rated PG-13. Now playing at a theater near you. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Uh, I'm Dion Baye, uh, joined here with uh, my good friend, good man, the learned Jay Blake. As always, uh, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> As always. When the time comes, he's not happy to be this here. We'll have a late to... sleepover evening. A late Saturday late. night. It's a very late Saturday night on a cold November day, or I guess it's a, it's a cold November night now. And uh, fittingly, we're doing for November, we, we, we've picked uh, John Hughes's 1987 classic Trains, Planes, and Automobiles because or, we were trying or, to... Or Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. What did I say? Trains, Planes, and Automobiles. <laughs> oh, God. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I was trying to... We, we were trying to figure out a, a, a Thanksgiving movie because we were thinking, let's be festive. Let's do something for Turkey Day. And for a while, I couldn't think of anything. And then it occurred to me, oh... Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is a uh, Thanksgiving Day movie. And, you know, it's very much in, of, like, the time and the uh, ilk of movies that we're doing. I mean, this is our first comedy, but, uh, you know, it's not. this is totally totally the kind of movie you might have done as a sleepover back in the day. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's like, so far we've picked movies that are kind of like... Um, uh, I wouldn't say genre films, but they're, well, you know. Well, they are. They're, they're like, you know, in, they're, they're deep in the racks yeah. of, of the video store. And this, for me, felt like one of the movies that I might nece not necessarily pick, but like something, you know, we'd go there with like mom or dad. And they'd be like, oh, we're going to watch <laughs> this tonight. And you're like, okay. And then you go home and you love it. You're like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. so, you know. So, and I think that's how it was introduced to me. I remember getting it probably right when it came on video and I watched it. No, right before uh, we began watching this. Yeah. Uh, for this cast. My immediate thought was, not to take anything away from this movie, but my favorite John Hughes-related movie, which is also a kind of odd couple road trip movie trying to get home for Thanksgiving, Dutch. Oh, yeah, Dutch. <laughs> which is a personal favorite of mine. So as is that going, John Hughes as well? He, like, wrote it, and I think he produced it. He, I don't think he directed it, though. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, his, his career path. So as I was about that, as we were about to watch this, in my head, I'm like, you know what? I could really go for Dutch right now. What year <laughs> that, is Dutch? Oh, it's, it's got to be early 90s. I thought it was, yeah, like early to mid-90s. Yeah, Ed O'Neill, uh, Ethan Embry, but uh, billed as something else. His He's last not. name is different, Ethan something else. Mm. And then uh, Joe Beth Williams. Yeah, I've never seen Dutch. Uh, Christopher McDonald. It's vivid in my mind. Maybe for next Thanksgiving. We'll that'd be great. Dutch. <laughs> it, it's, I remember it, the, the, it's like I just, my wife and I just recently watched Jennifer 8. And I hadn't seen Jennifer 8 with Annie Garcia and Lance Henriksen and, and, you know, since it probably came out. But 
watching the film, there's parts of it that you remember from the trailer because I've seen the trailer so many times. Like, oh yeah, you know. So it's like that Dutch, I oh, you know, like yeah, yeah. you know the parts with the interaction with uh, with Embry. And it's just it's it's funny. And then it's interesting for a lot of people who don't know. In 2003, they they did a uh, Dick Wolf redid a, a Dragnet, and they called it. I think it was called L.A. Dragnet. Oh they yeah, yeah. It, Well, I mean, they didn't move it anywhere, but. He was Joe Friday. Um, and Ethan Embry was at least in the first season. Yeah, he was in the first season, and it was phenomenal. The I'm Dutch a reunion. Huge, yeah, <laughs> I'm a huge Jack Webb uh, uh, Dragnet fan, and that first season was great. And then what happened was they wanted to make it more like the Law and Order concept. So yeah. when season two came in, he tried. They wanted to make it more of an ensemble cast, and I think that's when Ethan was like, "No, he left." Yeah, and of course Ed stayed. One of my prized possessions is at some point years ago, you gave me a stack of post movie posters. I had it was like two Predator Two posters. Oh yeah, yeah. A Fly Two Pretty poster. Pretty sweet uh, Predator Two poster <laughs> that I had. Like, he's like him standing <laughs> on the Chrysler Building or something like that. And in that stack, a PCU poster, and then in that stack of posters was a Dutch poster. Oh come on! And yeah. Well, there you go. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> and there you go. Happy Turkey but Day. We as digress. we digress. <laughs> as we, yeah, but that is the. Uh, the the, uh, the sub. So we're not talking about no, Dutch, but I thought it was deserved honorable mention. Well, it's interesting. John Hughes has always been an enigma for me because I've never particularly liked his movies for some reason, and it's nothing against him. It's probably because of my own. Um, you and I uh, can probably admit to this that we we're almost like uh, Sam I Am. Well, we won't like something until we watch it. Like, oh, okay, that was pretty good, you know. And yeah, I've, yeah. I've kind of done that with John Hughes. Where growing up, you know, it, to me. The more people tell me to go see something, the more I'm turned off by it. Yeah, I still, yeah. uh, you know, to, for full disclosure, I still haven't seen Braveheart because I know the ending. And everyone <laughs> said, you got to go see Braveheart. And the other one, too, the, um, the uh, movie with Robin Williams and uh, uh, where they won the, all the awards. Oh, Good Will Hunting? Yeah, I've never seen that. I've seen bits of it, but it's like the more people tell me to go see it, I'm like, I'll see it when I have my time. So that was always with John Hughes. You know, all the girls love 16 Candles. They yeah, loved, yeah. Uh, you know, Breakfast Club and all his movies. But I've seen, of course, like, you know, The Vacation and, you know, and Uncle Buck and Home Alone and those kind of yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Just, the, I think, the Brat Pack movies. Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know, growing up now and then in these years, it's like I'm seeing more of it. I'm loving it. And it's like I'm, it's almost he's giving, like I'm giving him his due. He's like, well, you know, he's, he's pretty freaking amazing what he, he's able to like him or hate him or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He's pretty amazing what he was able to accomplish. Well, growing up for me, I, I wouldn't say that, like, I grew up, like, specifically like a John Hughes fan, like it wasn't like some other directors, like John Carpenter or whatever, or like a like devout <laughs> fanatic. Yeah. But um, I would say in high school, for some reason, uh, like Breakfast Club was big for me and my friends. Like we watched that a lot. And then, of course, you know, Weird Science. Oh, yeah, Weird Science was always one that you grew you know. up with, and it's just like, you know, the fantasy of it when you're yeah, like an adolescent boy. Um, and, you know, he wrote the original script for Vacation. Yeah. Um, though it got changed kind of drastically from what I understand what his original script was, being kind of typical John Hughes for, you know, what, what he's best known for, which is those, like, teen movies. Like... It's my understanding that it was based on something that he wrote for, like, National Lampoon. Magazine, yeah. And then it was a story, and then he wrote a script from it. But it was basically, like, the trip from the backseat, from the kid's perspective, instead of from, like, the Gr Chevy Clark, Chris yeah, yeah. Walt's perspective, uh, which that changed, you know, once they ended up making the movie. But um, never a giant fan of, like, 16 Candles. But like I said, Breakfast Club was big. Uh, Weird Science was big. I remember seeing Uncle Buck in the movie theater. 
I might have actually seen planes, trains, and automobiles in the movie theater also, but I remember specifically seeing Uncle Buck at the movie theater and Home Alone. I saw at the movie theater. I, I remember seeing Home Alone at the movie theater. I've actually never seen Uncle Buck. How weird. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never sat all the way through, and that's nothing against... Uh, um, watching this made me bring up just a lot of memories of John Candy and, and Steve Martin and and uh, I guess the time when this was out, so I, I it makes me want to go back and do like a John Candy retrospective because he has a shitload of movies in that little time frame, and then he's his career kind of fell out, and then he passed away before I guess when he was coming back. But it's just it's so odd. But this this movie specifically, uh, it's it's I it I remember watching it right when it came out, and I I got almost all the jokes back then, and I loved it back then, and then. Uh, I watched it a crap load when I was young and then I hadn't seen it in so many years. And then a couple, I don't know, years ago in the Buy household, we were like, let's try to find a, a, a Thanksgiving movie. And we saw this and I loved it. And then we watched it like maybe every year, every other year. And uh, it's just, it's really fun. It's, 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 it's hilarious. I probably haven't seen it in 20 years. Wow. So how, what It's was been your, a long time. I remember, but I remember up? watching it a lot when it first came to like, HBO or when it was on video like it's a movie that I'd seen quite a few times in my youth but honestly I probably haven't seen it in like 20 years what struck me was like how much I really remembered yeah there's a it. lot well, like even not, not even like when you're watching it you see it you're like oh yeah I remember that but like in my head like before I sat and watched it kind of like remembering it before I even started viewing it like remembering like some of the joke, a lot of the jokes, um, some of the music choices, even remembering like Ray Charles, remembering that whole sequence, all the stuff in the car, <laughs> you know, on the highway. It's interesting because uh, it, it moves so quickly. Like it's it's. Um, I know we we have a concept of um, of of the perfect script. Like you cite Back to the Future yeah, as yeah. like the, you can teach Back to the Future, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I I usually cite like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the remake, uh, seventy Donald Sutherland one, and this seems like for me that it could be. I was trying to figure out in the movie if there's anything in there that I wouldn't that doesn't need to be belong in there. Yeah, and you know, doing some research into the movie, they said that that like their first cut was like four hours long, so there was a shitload that they cut out of it. And I think there's only one deleted scene that's available. It's of them when, when they're initially on the airplane before they, they, they pass over Chicago and end up in, in uh, Wichita where he's talking, John Candy talking about airline food. And that's the only like, readily available deleted scene. Yeah. But like, uh, it's interesting. Just, it just, it, the pace goes right from the beginning. It's just moving. And it, it's only like 92 minutes. But it's like, you know, you get a lot accomplished in that 92 minutes. You, know? <laughs> you do. I mean, for anybody who hasn't seen it, because now it's not, you know, we think of it as a classic, but who knows what, you know, what a classic is in everybody else's eyes. But um, Steve Martin plays a businessman who wants to get home to Chicago. It's unclear to me whether he's on a, a business trip to New York or if he works in New York all the time and only makes it home Every once in a while, I that, think, that was kind of unclear to me. I think he he, because John Hughes talked about. I watched an interview and he said this basically, and it's interesting. Again, it's like what you said about a uh, vacation. It's like it's an experience that happened to him where he was in Chicago. He planned to have a day trip to New York, which is amazing to me. Like, oh, it's going to fly over to New York for a day, and on the way back to Chicago, uh, which was only supposed to take two hours, he went to the the snow. They went to Wichita, 
and it took him five days to get back to Chicago because of whatever. And then he's like, this is a great movie and all the different tribulations. So I think either he's a corporate guy that maybe he's based out of Chicago and, he, and he's, he's one of these, you know, he jet sets domestically, or maybe he is in New York during the week you know, yeah, maybe yeah. the Monday through Friday week, you know, and he's able to go back. It's, it's, like, it's like the commuter of the 80s now where you can go fly domestically as opposed to taking the yeah, train. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's trying to get back to Chicago. And it's interesting. I like that I always love timeline movies. And it takes place two days before Thanksgiving. Yeah, so yeah. It, t- it starts on that Tuesday. And you know... You know, yeah, you know, we yeah. have 48 hours before. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, you know, that's one of the things that would like to be talked about with, like, Pulp, uh, with uh, Back to the Future and for me, Taken with Liam Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, You have X amount of hours to find it. You got, and, you, and the clock's running. It's almost <laughs> you like, know, you know, like so, the 24, you have the clock so on the this, side. So obviously the stakes are a lot lower, but <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to get back to his but daughter's he turkey He has, recital. like, two or th- whatever it is, two or three days to get back to Thanksgiving for uh, his family. It, it's, it, it's funny. Um, the uh, I, it, it, It's amazing how, how many cameos are in it, too. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's I just mean, everybody... I think everybody in this movie is a, either a famous actor or recognizable. Either they're famous at the time or we know them from other stuff and they're going to go on yeah, to be yeah. famous well, or whatever. I mean, the biggest one right at the top of the movie, like second scene, is Kevin Bacon. Yeah, yeah, Kevin Bacon ends up stealing a cap. So basically... He doesn't even have a line, I don't think. No, no. I mean, basically, uh, Steve Martin needs to get on a flight, domestic flight from JFK and it's like Saturday afternoon or Friday... Tuesday afternoon, and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and then he's right over near the Potwood Studios. He's over on Park Avenue, like 50th. He's trying to hail a cab to get to JFK, and his friend's like, you're, you know, who's, who's actually the dad from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Bueller, Off. Yeah. So, uh, and the other guy, their boss, I recognize him as well. Commodore Decker from Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doomsday Machine episode. And he comes back to do that. They did the, did you watch the Star Trek? They did the, years ago, they did Oh, yeah, we watched that together. Yeah, and he's that in that. Episode. Yeah, I for, yeah, I forgot that's him. Uh, so... Steve Martin's trying to get that flight, and it's only like it's like the flight leaves at like six. It's going to get him in in by like eight eight thirty, and he'll be home by like nine in Chicago. And that doesn't uh, go right. He there's a big storm. He gets on. He does he he misses his flight. Gets a later flight, but then the snow hits, and then it, he he. Oh, and they get rerouted. Yeah, to Wichita, Kansas, and then he then nothing's. There's a huge storm there. in Chicago. So, yeah, they can't um, land it. So O'Hare. nobody's landing in Chicago, and he goes to Wichita, and he meets. Uh, accidentally on the New York City streets while trying to get this cab. He's racing the cameo Kevin Bacon for this cab down the block that's a free cab in, in rush hour. He, he bumps into uh, John Candy with his big trunk, and uh, John Candy uh, accidentally steals another cab that Steve Martin could have had. And then this guy, do you remember the, the, the actor who, um, I can't recall his name now, who uh, Steve Martin's haggling then with to try to get the cab that he pays him like 50 bucks, $75? Yeah. He's the bad guy from Die Hard 3. That uh, that uh, the tall mercenary under Jeremy Irons that uh, Bruce Willis uh, Bruce uh, ends up having like that big fight with yeah, underneath yeah. the uh, in the bow of the ship before they blow that ship up. I see that guy all the time in Manhattan. It's so weird. Like he's always <laughs> going to Grand Central. You could try to negotiate for a cab with him. Yeah, I know. Guys. I got to see him. One day <laughs> I was walking out of the Pilot Studios and I saw him walk by, and then I was walking near him. and We took the same route. We ended. We walked to Grand Central together, but I mean, he didn't know, and I wasn't. I wasn't following him. But it's <laughs> you know. But it's so funny that it's it's this is. I haven't seen the guy now going on a couple years, but it's just funny. This it's this guy, and then uh, they get on the plane. He meets at the airport. He meets uh, John Candy. They they they. John Candy apologizes for stealing the cab. He didn't realize it. And then they, they uh, end up sitting next to each other on the plane. Yeah, and but it's interesting that 
through Steve Martin's journey where it's just like every little thing that can go wrong, starting with the opening scene where he's, he's you know, the, the boss is taking too long to make a decision and he's like, I got to get out of here. I got to make this flight. I got to get a cab. And just every single step of this that can go wrong goes wrong. And it's just, it's, it's so honest if you're a traveler, if you tra- travel by plane or anything. Yeah. You know, One of the things I thought was kind of weird was when, the, when they get on the plane, it's like... Um, you know, it's like everybody goes to sleep. It's like they turn the lights out on the plane. It's like they're. Spe- it's like the plane is the plane rides like ten hours or something. <laughs> the plane rides only like two and a half hours long. Yeah, it was it was or, or it was like it was it was weird. It was like forty five minutes. Or it, was, it had some sort of weird time frame. <laughs> which it wasn't I didn't supposed to be long. I mean, the I don't remember the exact. He's like, I need to. I told her I'd be home by ten. So his original plane was like at seven or eight or something like that, and then he got postponed. So I guess it was kind of later in the evening, but it was like. You know, everything was like on lockdown. People have the pillows up. <laughs> it's like you're only on a plane for two hours. I mean, it, yeah, it does seem like it's like an international flight. <laughs> it's it's uh, hilarious. Um, and uh, yeah, they overshoot it. And, and, and it, it's it's interesting too that, that what is he? He's reading like like porn, like the Canadian Mounted when they first meet when they're waiting. John Candy's sitting there reading one of those like oh, oh like, yeah like, yeah like 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 a, like, like a romance not like not like a porn magazine but no, like a but novel like one of those like dirty novels you know it's like the, the Canadian Mounted and uh, John Candy's uh, Canadian at this point it's interesting that uh, Candy's thirty six when he sh- makes this and and um, Steve Martin's forty one and it's always weird to me to think that because I'm, I'm thirty six I'm thirty five so it's like. <laughs> It's crazy to see these people. They always look so much and I, older. And unfortunately, I'm kind of built by like John Candy no, right not. now. So. No, you're not. Um, it, it's just so weird to see them to think about how they how old they were in this and, and what was going on at the time. Uh, I, I don't. So, what were your initial thoughts about it? What did you think? Well, I thought um, I thought they were great together. I thought there was a really great chemistry. You could tell, you know. Um, you know, obviously John Hughes is known um, even more than a director. I feel like he's known as a writer, uh, but you can definitely, not always, but you, for me, I could definitely sense when things were probably like off the cuff and improvised by especially John Candy. Um, you know, just certain lines and certain reactions. You can just tell it like that was probably, and then John Hughes was like, yeah, keep it. Oh, like, you know, it's just like, it was very... Um, it was loose. It seemed like they were loose, and it seemed like just had, they had a really great rapport together. Uh, yeah, especially near the end when they're when they're bonding, like in the last scene when they're staying over the night from Wednesday to Thursday when they get drunk off the little nips. Yeah, you yeah. know, a lot of that seems all like improvised, like where they're just like fucking around with each other. Um, and again, it's like everywhere you look, there's cameos. Like when they're sitting on the plane, uh, that old guy that has the window seat. Uh, his name is Bill Irwin. Uh, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you have him, you have uh, freaking Ben Stein, who I peri- periodically see where yeah. I work. He's there as the uh, delayed, and he was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So it's yeah. like a lot of these people, you know, it's like, I guess... The woman that plays the uh, the secretary to the principal, Jeffrey Jones' secretary from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, is the is the rental car. Yes, Eddie, Eddie McCurg, M-C-C-L-U-R-G. She, yeah, it... it uh, there's, there's tons of Michael McKean shows up as a state trooper. Yeah. And Michael McKean also says that, see, he said his role was substantially bigger because in that scene it went on longer because you, he, Michael McKean says you come to find out that they overshoot Chicago by 100 miles. 
driving. So he's like, he's like, I don't know how you're going to get back. And there's this, then they go out, they get out of the car and they start arguing. And then did you notice at the end of the movie that John Candy has a black eye? No, I didn't pick up on it. Yeah, he has a black eye like in the last couple scenes. Uh, and then, then when they, they say their goodbyes on the, sub, on, the, on the subway platform, it's kind of gone. But I wonder if they, they're supposed to get out of the car when they're with Michael McKean. They have it out. Steve Martin and John Candy for the last time. So I wonder if like uh, Steve Martin was supposed to like slug him or something like that. Um, now, did you notice the uh, the the huge influence? See, I'm not a huge Seth MacFarlane fan, but there's a huge influence of Family Guy here, where yeah. even to the point where you know John Candy's name in this is Del O. Griffith, and you know there's what is his name Griffith yeah, yeah. on uh, on Family Guy, Peter yeah, Griffith, yeah. you know, and they've actually used. Like that first monologue, which I remember from a kid that I, I always got teary-eyed with when Steve Martin's like yelling at him for in, the, in that first scene. They, they spend the night together, and he's like, yeah, I'm an easy target. He says that verbatim in, in Family Guy, uh, line for line. And then there's they, they, they've also in, I think, the Harvest Moon, which is the Star Wars uh, send-up, they do the scene where they're like in, in one of the uh, Emperor's TIE fighters, and, and the guy falls asleep, and they do the whole, like, mess around. <laughs> you know, they do that one. And then they do the last... Uh, I think he does. They do one more, which I forget which one it is. But uh, it's, there's a huge, and I can see that Peter Griffith character being even how he talks. It's like yeah, it's yeah. basically if you were to do a live action movie, it would be John Candy. You know, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I, for one, for for another, for full disclosure, I've never really understood the uh, the brouhaha of Steve Martin. You know, I he's really just like Steve Martin. I mean, I like him. I mean, he's in one of my most favorite movies, <clears throat> the Muppet movie. You know, he has a cameo in that. But I guess. You know how he got big in the 70s? You yeah, know, yeah. We kind of missed that by, you know. Well, that. He has a great, I mean, this is like a little bit off topic, but if you're, if anybody out there likes Steve Martin, he has, he wrote a book, uh, like an autobiography, which is specifically about his stand-up years. Yeah. And I think it's called Born Standing Up. Um, and it's not very long. It's a quick read. Actually, I read it, and then on a trip... A couple of years later, I listened to the audiobook, which he reads. What made you? Because uh, you're not necessarily a Steve Martin fan. I like Steve Martin, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, that was what that it was. Just, what it was. It was the fact that it was. Um, I know he has been writing, in like the last, you know, last now it's you know over ten years. I know he wrote a book called Shop Girl, and um, I went to see him. I went too. to see a play that he had written, which actually wasn't very good in my opinion, mo probably more the production of it than, than the writing, maybe. Um, it was more that it was about his stand-up, which was a part of his career that I didn't really know a whole lot about because that was before our time, kind yeah. of. And um, I think I just heard that it was interesting. And it really, it, it really is interesting. But uh, So I think after that is when I kind of became more of a Steve Martin fan because I really thought that was a great, a great book and I totally recommend it. Um, for anybody who's even kind of into stand-up or just it's just one of those great like behind the scenes kind of you know like somebody rising to greatness kind of stories um but uh yeah i, I you know I've, I've always kind of liked steve martin um you know there's some great some great movies out there <laughs> yeah uh, he, he's uh, it's amazing to think so because he's because like all that was before our generation but he was huge you know by the time he did like the jerk yeah yeah i mean he was like the first stand-up comic to play like the garden yeah you know and that's why like he started wearing 
his his like you know as Alfred became he would always wear a white suit when he did stand up and it was because he started doing such huge venues and it wasn't like today where there was like a screen and he was being filmed so he would wear a white suit so that when the spotlight hit him he was this white figure so that people in the could see him yeah. from like the, the nosebleeds nose yeah. <laughs> that's interesting he, he it's he's funny because I've also heard um, from people who've met him that he has. Uh, almost business cards that he hands out yeah. that say you've had an experience with Steve Because he, he doesn't want to do, uh, he doesn't want to sign autographs, so he gives these cards that <laughs> like proves. Like you've had a, a, a personal moment or whatever. But it's weird because then he's now into being a musician and, you know, he's, he's a banjo and, and, he's, and he tours around doing these, uh, these concerts. And I heard a number of years back now, maybe like four or five years, where he was doing some sort of maybe like uh, colloquium or some sort of uh, lecture and... People got tickets to go, but there was a big caveat where they weren't allowed to ask him anything about his stand-up or acting career or yeah, comedic it was just career. About music. Yeah, and that kind of pissed people off, and it was a it was like a little brouhaha. You about know, I that can as see, well. I can kind of see both sides of it. You know, I mean, as a fan, like you're not there to listen to him play banjo as much as he would like. Yeah, <laughs> you to to be, and at the same time, it's like you're trying to promote this new aspect of your career, and you don't want to get bogged down with like past, totally different profession. So I can kind of see both. I mean, if I was there, I probably would have been pissed too. But I can kind of get his, I can kind of see his perspective yeah. on it as well. Um, so it, it, it's an interesting. They, they released the movie a day before Thanksgiving in 1987, which I think is pretty interesting. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is, I think if I'm not mistaken, this is like his first, like not teen angst. Yeah, he Hughes, he said he he wrote this movie in about a week, and I guess he's notorious for just shitting things out. Yeah, yeah. Like he wrote like weird science in like a weekend. Yeah, and, 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 like and that. that's like the joke. It's like how he, and he says he's. He says he doesn't understand how, like, see, for myself, someone who's written a couple scripts where, for me, it takes a little while. But with him, he says, you know, he can't take that long. He doesn't see how people can do 10, 12 months on a script because he needs a dialogue. He needs to just, as quick as he can, he's a good typist, he says, so it just comes to him. Yeah, but at the same time, I bet shit gets rewritten. Well, that's what he said. He says, you know, it's like that first initial script. Yeah, he says he'll go through like 20, 25 times, and then by the time, even when you're shooting, he says you're, you're editing up until that point. So I guess there is a little... A double standard there to a certain extent but yeah. he uh he he at the time he was doing these these really funny uh teen comedies like upper middle well, class they were smart they were funny but i think you know what i in my in my old age i've come to be like very into like um like teen melodrama yeah um i think it's very much a nostalgia thing for me um and that's what those movies are i mean I mean, like a movie like Breakfast Club is more dramatic than it is even comedic when you really watch it today. I mean, I think we there are very some very dramatic moments that I think we remember. You know, like speeches from Emilio Estevez about his father and and all that stuff. But it it is interesting because he he's known for this specific. He's like the guy who has like the teenage voice. You know, and he's kind of capitalized on this, and he's made a whole career for himself based on Ferris Bueller, you know, Breakfast Club, all these movies. And then here, it's like I feel like he probably there was probably a lot of pressure on him for this movie because it's there's pro he probably has a lot riding on the fact that this is going to be his ticket to be able to explore other things, yeah, break out. Because at the time, he'd written 
Vacation, then he'd written Mr. Mom. And yeah. then I think his directorial debut was maybe... 16 Candles. Or, I think it might have been 16 Candles. And then he, and then with the success of that, he started doing these Brat Pack things. And it's interesting because I've heard that partly attribute to, aside from how good they are, the popularity is because they're playing off of the, the reverse of this was like the Porky's movies at the time. So you yeah. have like these meatballs, Porky's, the raunchy kids like, you know, Revenge of the Nerds where it's just like tits and ass or like yeah. the... Where like the whole arc of the movie is trying to get laid yeah or like save the <laughs> save the car wash by having you know naked girls running around where his movies were the other side of it where it's like you know upper middle class or you know white kids or whatever just having like you saying like these this uh melodramas and stuff and then i guess he didn't want to get pigeonholed because his success you know you don't want to do that for the rest of your life but it's interesting because then he does he does this movie i think this is it was a success you know he did a couple others and then uh, does Home Alone, both Home Alones, which 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 do gangbusters, like yeah. you said, we both saw the first one in the theater. Did he even do the third one? I don't know if he did the third one. He might have. But uh, what happens is John Candy ends up dying. John Candy died um, uh, at the age of 43 on March 4th, 1944, or 1994. <laughs> 44. <laughs> well, he was 43, and it's really sad because he, his father had died of a heart attack when he was five uh, in 1955, and his grandfather died of a heart attack. So he was really worried about his health. And evidently, uh, another thing I heard about Steve Martin is like, what are your memories about, you know, uh, meeting John Candy first on the set? And he said, the first thing I saw, he came in with all this weightlifting equipment, all this stuff like that, you know, because he was, he was obsessed about trying to lose weight and he never did use any of it. It just sat there. And uh, he, was a, he was a very heavy smoker yeah. at the time too, John Candy. And I guess his last film he had done was uh, Canadian Bacon. And they were shooting that down in Mexico. And uh, he just quit smoking a couple months prior to his death. And I had talked to somebody uh, that I uh, knew that worked for the AP at the time, Associated Press. And they said, you know, when he died, everyone ran down there to this hotel that everyone was staying at. Because wherever they were shooting this movie, this hotel where the cast was staying at was the only place in town you could stay. So all the AP went in and they said that it, it, it stood with them all these years later that... Uh, all this shit was sitting outside like on the curb all this exercise equipment all this nutritional shakes because he was also hanging out with a lot of health guys or maybe they were like slash his bodyguards so all the paraphernalia of that that was like in his room was just you know dumped to the curb so you have all this stuff that was out there I don't know I I find it real tragic because his career kind of after uh, I guess 1990 with the Uncle Buck his career kind of like took a slump and he kind of tried to do like dramatic, and that's where you see him show up in uh, JFK. He has a cameo as a lawyer, and he's doing he's doing straight there. He cameos in Home Alone with his good friend uh, Maureen O'Hara. You know, she plays the mom because they're really good friends because they were from the second Second City days. Yeah, yeah. Uh, SCTV as well. And uh, his career was coming back when when he he passes away. But it seems like that's happened to John Hughes too. Like uh, from what I was reading, Hughes got really freaked out about Candy's death. And Vince Vaughn is quoted to say, is Vince Vaughn, I guess, was from good friends with Hughes. And he said, he thinks had Candy not died, Hughes would have made more movies. But that kind of just, uh, I don't know, maybe just took the... took the, the uh, Vince Vaughn? Yeah, yeah, Vince Vaughn, yeah. yeah, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know if it's the Vince Vaughn, but yeah. It's, <laughs> a Vince Vaughn. Yeah, a Vince Vaughn that knows him. Uh, and that's when he starts writing all under all these pseudonyms and he has he puts out some other stuff that are just you know that that, that end up coming out that, that are successful uh but it's just so it's so weird to just think of 
you know, all this stuff working up to be like this. Do you think people remember this movie? It's like, is this like a, I mean, no. like, look at like, I don't mean to cut you off, but look at A Christmas Story. I mean, A Christmas Story for us has been iconic because I think it was our era. But then there was a while there where but I, it, I think it Christmas Story. But, they, but then about 10 years ago, something happened and Christmas Story like transcended. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say it, it's more of a recent phenomenon yeah. that it's so... I mean, now like, it's... That they, like a channel will play it back to back. All day. For all you know? of Christmas. And, they, and it, had a, it had a Broadway play and it has, it has everything now. It has toys. It has uh, a Monopoly game. It anything you want. You can buy the lamp. You know, you can get T-shirts. Uh, so that's certainly been embroiled into our mindset where that'll be ever associated with like Christmas. So I wonder... Do you see this movie ever being like because it's it's also they say the holidays as well, so it's interesting that you know it is a Thanksgiving movie, but it's yeah, well, you know, I think Thanksgiving I mean it's just not as big as Christmas, so I don't think it'll ever be like a holiday movie in that sense, like that big I mean it's also like I mean I wonder I mean, does anybody give a shit about like there's like I mean, I know other cultures have a Thanksgiving, but it's not, like, the same day yeah. as ours. So, I mean, I don't know if, like... I mean, you would know better. I mean, would Helen care about like, this being a Thanksgiving movie? I went Other than, that, like, the story? Uh, I think people overseas... I mean, they know it. They quote it. Like, that. Like I watched the special edition of... Um, uh, of this movie, and it was called uh, Those Aren't Pillows. That was the name of the special edition. And uh, we put up on our status that we were watching it, and one of her friends overseas immediately said that line, Those Aren't Pillows. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. very iconic. So I think it's grown up with, you know, you have, it helps having Steve Martin and, and John Candy in it, in the seminal roles, but I think it also helps that it's not necessarily like a Christmas story, a Christmas movie. It's about yeah, yeah. just a traveling. Yeah, I mean, it's not even about Thanksgiving. You know, the it's only about end this is. road trip between two guys that are kind of, you know, I wouldn't say specifically like an Oscar, Oscar and Felix, like odd couple type, but they're two different kinds of people that are kind of thrown into this adventure kind of together. And then it's like them, you know, and then it's a road trip movie. I think. You know, I think road trip movies in general usually have a pretty good following. I think it's a good cinematic convention. I mean, even the Lord of the Rings movies are, are, are in essence, a road trip movie. Um, Muppet movie. <laughs> Muppet movie, the classic. Uh, so as a hol- as in terms of a holiday movie, I don't think it'll ever be as big as, you know, Christmas Story, or now Elf is very big. I don't think it will ever kind of satisfy that niche. But I think as a... But I wonder if a movie can, because since those are Christmas movies, they can. You know, I mean, well, any other, like, you take like a... Maybe Halloween's a little more. But like, aside from that, there's never any like July 4th. Well, Thanksgiving, I think, like... I think I feel personally uh, interject some of my own philosophy. I think Thanksgiving is going away. As you look at now, it's like, you know... Even at this recording right now, where we're sitting, they're playing Christmas music. <laughs> That's you know? true, and it's that, not like even the day after you know, Halloween. Halloween. Not even. I mean, I went. I went into. I was bitching about this on the Podwitz podcast, which you go to podwitz.com, you can hear. Uh, a couple weeks ago, or you know, the weekend before Halloween, I'm seeing Christmas Best Buy commercials, or I go into uh, Stop and Shop, the grocery store near me, and they've already got their Christmas stuff out. And it's like hey, Halloween's not even over yet, man. You know, so I feel like they're just they're just they they Thanksgiving couldn't go 
fast enough. Yeah, and now it's like even, and then it's like Thanksgiving, and then it seems like within the last, at least the last 10 years, maybe a little bit longer, the actual holiday has become Black Friday, Yeah, not Thanksgiving. Yeah, people are more more. And now Black about... Friday starts on like Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's... You know, it's not even the day before. Like Black Friday sales are already starting. Like I get emails. Or even Walmart. Walmart started uh, their, their Black Friday a week in advance, you know. So it's, it's been going around for these eight days now where like I remember when I was little, Black Friday would start like at four or five in the morning on that Friday. Like I'd get up with my mom and we'd go wait in line to go get some new clothes or something at like yeah, four yeah. or five. And then it went to midnight, you know, and then now it's like you're saying, it's starting like on that Thanksgiving, it's starting like five o'clock in the afternoon. And I don't even feel like people even care about giving thanks to anything anymore. You know, people no, don't really no. give two shits about I the holiday. Look, I mean, we, even Christmas too. We can get, this could be a whole debate yeah, about Christmas. Yeah, we could talk about the whole family, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, apart thing the unit. and all that stuff. But in terms of... Um, you know, you, the original question was like, it, do you think this movie's like as big? You know, I think, I think that's kind of the hard thing about this show in general for us is because we're picking a certain type of movie that, for the most part, so far is something that's kind of nostalgic for us. So it's kind of going to be, you know, nostalgic for a certain age group. So in that sense, like, I feel like we're kind of in a little bit of a bubble where, like, I don't know what, you know, a 20 year old, what people like that are like 25. I mean, I have some friends through work and stuff that are a little bit, you know, that are like in their late 20s. But past that, like, I don't I don't know, because like this movie is significant to me because of the amount of airplay it got on television which it doesn't seem like it does that much no. anymore. No. Um, I wonder if it even comes out around the holiday, Thanksgiving, if they play it. If it's Because, I mean, you cite Dutch, and I think you said there, there might be a, the off-horror movie that, that capitalizes on Thanksgiving, but I can't think of any yeah. other real Thanksgiving there's movies. There's not a whole lot of I mean, Thanksgiving. there's Thanksgiving specials. You know, Garfield. Yeah, yeah, but in Charlie terms Brown. of like like theatrically released. No, I can't think of like anything. movies. There aren't a lot of. You know, I mean, with the exception of like the uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, because it starts on Thanksgiving Day yeah, Parade, yeah. and then that goes through the Christmas holiday. But it's it's it's. But for this, it brings me back to that time. It's like you were. I remember. You know, we both grew up in the Northeast. Uh, you East Philadelphia as well, but Northeast. So it's like. We, we're with the changing of the, the weather, yeah, uh, the yeah. seasons. So it's like, for me, it's like, I remember those, those it's like all the, the winter months. You yeah, know, the, I mean, even like now, like right around like Halloween, like I walked out of like my apartment building and I like felt like the chill of the air. You know that, yeah. And like, and like immediately over. like sense memoried back to like walking to the bus stop. School, like for elementary school or primary school? Yeah, like in the morning or kind of, you know, like getting off the bus and walking back to your your house. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, I mean, seasons for the people that are in this part of the country are, are like a big, it's a kind of a big thing. Yeah, I, it, it just brings back so many memories. And it's funny to just see, I, I keep harping on it, but how many people show up in the movie. Yeah. You know, like the, uh, the guy that gives them the ride. You know, I... Of course, the plot goes on, and they have to take a train somewhere. The train breaks down. They have to take a. Uh, That's the, the title. Yeah, they, they hit hitchhike. <laughs> they take a plane. They take a train, and they take some automobile. They, they take a lot of automobile. They take a bus. They take a truck. They take everything. Uh, the guy that picks them up in the pickup truck, Dylan Baker, he's 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 in a lot of shit. He's in your tree. Yeah, yeah. 
He's the, one of the, the serial killers. Yeah, he's treat. in a lot of happiness. He uh, was in the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, he he oh, poor guy. He was so close to playing uh, the, the Connors. The, the, yeah, the, the lizard. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> close. So close. He's like, well, I was putting all that time in. <laughs> you know, the other thing was, you know, we talked a little bit about it already, but like that fact that this was. Uh, John Hughes's first like non kind of ch- kid like teenage related movie, and it ended up being a pretty big success. Um, so a lot there was a lot riding on it, and then it came out and it did well. I think no small thanks to the cast. Yeah, I and, mean, and also their their uh, their chemistry, of how yeah, well they work together, uh, how well they work together, and the fact that they they agreed to do it. I think shows. A, you know a lot about their character and maybe the script was you know very likely pretty great but to trust the guy who was known pretty much for you know writing movies basically for teenage girls yeah <laughs> you know for the most part to uh trust a, a pretty big production with some pretty big stars at the time i guess it was a it was a, a little bigger of a gamble for steve martin because at the time uh, Can, uh john candy had cameoed in in vacation he yeah. cameoed in uh, the movie he'd done. Ghostbusters. The, uh, the music video. video. Music video. <laughs> well, he he turned down the Rick Moranis because, see, all the, it's all his friends from Second City. Yeah, yeah. He, he turned down Rick And how weird would have that been, him playing the Rick Moranis part? Because I just recently watched the, with, with the 30th anniversary of Ghostbusters, uh, I coincidentally watched, rewatched the movie after all these years I wanted to watch it. Yeah, yeah. And the highlight of that movie uh is Rick Moranis in it? I just think he's so funny. Like he's into like dieting. He's 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 got this whole thing. Like he's working out all the time. And I just can't see. I mean, I guess you could see it'd be a different take on it. You have yeah, a yeah. big old. It's like you know Buster Keaton versus Fatty Arbuckle in in, in in casting. But it's just like, you know. But he said he turned it down because he thought Rick Moranis. And this I guess goes into the testament of people. There's not anyone. No one ever says a bad thing about John Candy. Like he take. He used to take the time. He talked to everybody. He'd, he was so nice. He was just, you know, he'd always take the time. And, uh, you know, you, you don't find that a lot in Hollywood in, in, in certain extent, especially when you, once you hit stardom as well. You know, a lot of people get introverted, like, say, Steve Martin may get be an introvert, you know, where Candy wasn't. Candy always took the time with fans or whatever. And I think that's a really testament of who he was. But it's just funny that then he shows up in, yeah, the Ray Parker Jr. video, yeah. uh, Ghostbusters. And the, the movie Hughes was doing prior to this, She's Having a Baby, was the Kevin Bacon movie was working on. That's how Kevin Bacon carried over to do this cameo. And then the Eddie McClurick, the the rental car agent woman, she was in that. So he had her read the scene. So Candy had a a cameo in that as well. So it's like he had a, he, 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 that's why I guess the Brat Pack, he had a troop of actors he would use. Yeah, yeah. You know, Eugene Levy and as well, that was from Second City, the the Canadian days and stuff. The, um, you know, you think about it, you, you think about the context of, today like say this movie got made today same kind of scenario i can't think of a director offhand but like you know i said marine o'hara her name was kathleen o'hara the mother from home alone and uh just like the way like comedy stars have changed i mean you think today like okay who like the com the comedy guys today like if this movie was cast today I think it would, it would be, be like, like Seth Cedric, Green. I think it would be like Cedric the Entertainer. <laughs> and like, well, look what they did. Like, what they did that. Well, I mean, you think like like Seth Green, for instance, probably is like 36. I mean, he's like John Candy's age. Seth Green. 
Not Seth Green. Seth Logan. Uh, Rogan. Seth Rogan. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, it's Seth yeah, but Green he still too, wouldn't. But he, Seth Rogan. I, was, I thought you meant as Steve Martin and Seth Green. You know, he'd be, but, you know, this movie would be like it would be like a Seth Rogan James Franco movie. <laughs> Well, they, they, they did that. Today. They did that too. Did, what was the movie they did a couple years ago? That that was that was basically a, a, a oh, Pineapple Express. Was that, that it? What was no? There, there was one that was. It was basically like a reboot of, uh, and it might have been James Franco in it, where they're like trying to get across country. It came out like a year ago, a year and a half ago, and it completely bombed. And it was it was like basically, you know, the plot of planes, trains, America, uh, uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, but just uh, in modern times, and it wasn't didn't go over very well. And even the reviews, like this, is just a blatant ripoff of. Have no one's nobody seen planes, trains, and automobiles? You know? <laughs> well, my point is just that, like, well, how about you, to your to to your point? Who can you you know back in the day? I mean, is this again us being pessimistic about today's society? But who's funny now? Who do well, you? Well, the thing. I don't like. I I'm fu- I like I like Seth Rogen and I like Jonah Hill. I mean, I don't have any kinds of problem. I don't have any issue with you know uh, those kinds of writers and performers and the kinds of movies they make my point is that even though the age group is very similar like if, like the it's the same age group as back then it's a very different kind of performer a very different kind of comedy um it's just a whole different thing i mean this movie would not be this movie today no not at all if they remade um it. you know watching it the other thing you know you asked me like what were my uh, thoughts the first one I said was like the chemistry between them was great. The other one is like how much of a John Hughes movie it is. Yeah. Like the sentimentality of it, the use of music in it. Uh, well, the soundtrack, I think it's hilarious. It's very 80s. It's very and 80s. I it's mean, that dated, last, but I think it's great. <laughs> the last song and with like the montage of him sitting on a train, like remembering his times with John Candy and then putting the kind of the clues together with... I don't know how much of a reveal it is. It's hard to know this day and age after I've seen, you know, you know what the ending is. I, I'll tell you, I, even when I watched it last night, I cry. Me and you have talked another times about how as you get older, for some reason, <laughs> you get in touch with your feminine side or whatever. I cannot watch this movie without weeping. And when there's that scene when Steve Martin runs back into the, uh, I'm getting curious, I just think about it now. He runs back into the train uh, station and John Candy looks up and he's sitting there alone. It's like, oh. <laughs> I can't. I can't. There's not a dry eye in the a dry eye in the house there with that. With me. Um, but it's just it feels. It just it feels so John Hughes, uh, and I don't mean that as a negative. Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean he is. But it seems they, they seem so older. Like, can you? To me, like a a, a Jonah Hill and, and them, they they seem younger for, know, for the it's age. It's a very weird so phenomenon. I, don't, I mean, you take. Um, you know, I always talk about this in terms of like the 70s and you know it, it does it goes into the 80s with you know the 70s like you would never have a show carried by you know a guy like telly savalas or <laughs> you know or yeah. uh you know you would never have like an an, an prime time show Sex symbol show put on the put on the shoulders of like peter falk of like a peter falk type you know, it's like that would never happen. And then it's like there is a weird thing where people just seemed older. Like like I said, I'm 
John Candy was 36. I'm 36. And there's no way, like, when I watch Flame Chains and Automobiles, that I feel like... He's my age. Like, <laughs> here's a guy who... Graduated you know, high school the same year you did. You know? Had, like, a marriage... You know, he has. He was married. He's, uh, you know, clearly been on the road for years. He said his wife had, his wife had passed away nine years before. I mean, well, I mean, that goes back to the old generation where you get married younger, but it's just... It's so weird. I mean, again, I always cite James Dean. James Dean died when he was 24. Yeah, but to yeah. me, he looks like he's, like, 30s. I don't know. Maybe that's just... I wouldn't say hard living, but that growing up when smoking, everybody smoked. Doctors yeah. told you to smoke to help well, your even, health. Or, you know, then also it's tough because you know, like Steve Martin went gray when he was like in his twenties. So I mean, yeah, like he always, it's always hard to kind of pinpoint like how old how old he was. Uh, but see, he's he always seems had older like too. Gray it's hair. like I can't. I see if you if you casted contemporaries that were the same age these actors were when they filmed it. I it think would be you, a different movie. It would be like a teenage movie, I, I think. I would think if you cast that movie today, you would cast it older, I think. That's what I'm saying? Yeah, you'd it cast would it. It would be like Vince Vaughn and, you know, like an Owen Wilson <laughs> Vince Vaughn yeah, movie. Yeah, pushing <laughs> like, you know, they're, they're pushing close to 50 now or so. I don't know. I mean, they got to be at least in their mid-40s. I mean, they're, they're certainly not in their 30s anymore. Yeah. When you look at... You know, that generation of, like, freaks and geeks, Judd Apatow, people are all now, you know, basically our age. So you, you would have to cast it earlier, I mean, uh, older to make it kind of believable in that context. It's, it's so weird. Uh, and at the same time, 87, uh, Candy was doing Spaceballs. So these came up back to back, and I love Spaceballs. I think that, that could probably, for me, be the last good Mel Brooks movie. You know, I mean, I, I, the other one he did... Um, uh, the what about the oh I used to know that name of that one where he uh, Geraldo's in it where he's the uh, the bum life stinks life sucks maybe remember that one where he becomes a bum for a day or whatever no Mel Brooks yeah Mel Brooks yeah he did he, he, it, it's like one of the last ones he started where he put himself he did the Woody Allen because no. after that we had like Dracula Dead and Loving it. oh I do like Dracula Dead and Loving it. and then he did Robin Hood Men in Tights he did do Robin Hood Men in Tights yeah I do okay I'll give him those those are actually pretty good Young Dave Chappelle right Robin Hood Men in Tights yeah uh, Cariel was Young Dave Chappelle yeah oh, geez that's another that's another weird one uh, but it's interesting and then uh, uh, Hughes then the next one after that is The Great Outdoors Candy goes on in 1988 to do The Great Outdoors with uh, Dan Aykroyd. I don't know if that's a John Hughes movie, but that just rocked him to stardom. I think. Yeah, yeah. Planes, trains solidified him. He, he, his breakout role, they say, was Splash, and then this, and then Spaceballs, and then I think Great Outdoors in '88 hit, and he was, uh, you know, a sensation. Uh, but he is cited as also he's appeared in more Hughes films than any other actor, Candy, just because he's got cameos left and right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and another note I, I picked up on is when uh, he passed away when the, uh, they were having his funeral service, the LAPD actually stopped traffic on Interstate 405 for him. And that, that, that only happens when uh, the Pope or the President ha have gone down the 405 in LA in prior years. And he was just so loved. Because he also played, you think about all the movies he played a cop. He's a cop in Blues Brothers. He's a, he's a security guardish kind of a guy in uh, Lampoon. He's a, a, a rent-a-cop in that movie with Eugene Levy, so he he plays yeah, yeah. a cop quite a bit. So um, you know, so that was the only. So that they, they said that was really astounding. That's the only time the 405's ever been stopped. They just closed the exit so the procession could have a, a seamless to, to his resting place. Uh, yeah, I I, I I I guess it's interesting uh, just how good the movie plays, and then also 
Steve, Steve Martin said that one of the reasons why he picked it was that notorious F-bomb scene where uh, the whole movie is basically just a PG. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they threw all these F-bombs in when he goes and meets the, the rental car agent. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they battled with the MPAA. Like, they didn't want to put it out. And he's, he's saying uh, Hughes and Steve Martin's defense was, we don't think we're using it uh, gratuitously. We think if in the context of the situation, you can understand... It's not gratuitous just because of how this character is. This is his breaking point, yeah, you know. Yeah. But they they had they got an R rating for the movie. They didn't want to get an R rating, but the you know they they were fighting tooth and nail to to not get an R rating. But he drops like nineteen <laughs> f bombs in that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I would say one of the other things you know talking about like a John Hughes style. I mean, a, a lot of the comedy is very broad and kind of slapsticky, and not not all not all. You know, maybe not. Maybe a lot of it is 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 like too strong. But there's a lot of like really like a lot of like broad comedy, big jokes, and uh, like we talked about the music. And the other thing, well, how about that remix in there? You know, like that. They have like that. Remember coming into the late '80s and early '90s, it was like it was like the the clean hip hop kind of time. So, and you have that song. It's like you know. Uh, they're sampling Steve Martin. You know, I was just about to say, like that was <laughs> you know, that's that exactly song. where I was going, which is like I love you, do, it. you do have this like time period where like during the end credits, late eighties into early nineties, you, you either have like a rap song, like oh. a, like a genuine rap song about the movie. Yeah, but it's family friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like, he, like 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 uh, what's his face? Uh, too legit to quit. Adam Sandler, <laughs> Adam, uh, uh, MC Hammer. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a ver- like a like a hip hop song which genuinely has lyrics that are written about the movie with then like sound drops from the movie or you have just like in the case of this which is just like a beat you know like kind of a hip-hop beat song with this like is just like a remix of live various lines it's such a weird phenomenon that like every time i see it in a movie it's just like it totally it's like a way back machine yeah, to like a certain time period i mean even like waxwork 2 has it you know there was that too legit you're, you know like the abs family values uh prince <laughs> did it for batman although that wasn't rap but he, he yeah yeah the bat dance that was the whole thing was sampled there there was there was this, this weird like time where that i feel like monster squad even has it yeah at uh, the end, during the end credits what's the other john candy movie with uh, uh, uh nothing but trouble they yeah. had Digital Underground. What a weird fucking... We have to do that movie. Uh, digital, you know, it's funny. There's a guy <laughs> I work with. Like, that is his favorite movie, and he loves it. And because of that... He should guest star. I saw it... T- <laughs> I'll see if he wants to come on. I saw it in like a bin for two ninety nine. I picked that bad boy up, but I haven't bought I haven't opened it yet. But it's weird because you think of that movie, and it's evidently it's another one of these... It's supposedly like a true story that happened to, I think, Chevy Chase where Chevy Chase tried to get out of the city and ended up in some bumblefuck town. Because it's weird. You think about it. It's, they're just leaving New York City and going to Jersey. And they get lost in they're, Jersey. I mean, it's been so long since I've seen I that I saw that movie. in the theater. So I don't remember. And John Candy's I, playing two parts. John Candy, he's playing a cop in that one because he's the one that pulls him over initially. And a, it's, and a sister, right? Doesn't he play like a girl he plays his, He plays his mute sister. And it's, it's Chevy Chase and a real young and hot Demi Moore. Yeah, yeah. And she's going with the third guy who I forget his name, who uh, you'd know if you saw him. He was a big actor in like the uh, early, uh, late 80s. He always played like a lawyer. Oh, he's the boyfriend in, in a Christmas Vacation to uh, What's Your Face, who lives next door. The girl, oh, okay. You to know, Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, you know that guy that plays her boyfriend? He's in this. So they're all going on some sort of road trip that, like, I think they're trying to get to uh, AC, Atlantic City. <laughs> 
and they take a wrong Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, and, and they take a wrong step, they get pulled over for like a state. I think they they just roll through a stop sign, and I think what the it, maybe it happened to Dan Aykroyd. I one of the cast members, either Ch Chase or Dan Aykroyd, where they they got stopped and they had to spend the night in this town because the judge. The, you know, they had to get the ticket taken care of, and it only opened <laughs> at like eight o'clock in the morning. So they're oh. like, "This is this is the perfect movie." But then, like, you know, it's it's such a it's such a, and I never understood the whole thing about the two like slime brothers. Remember yeah, those dudes yeah, that, that live like, in the junkyard? In my the, my recollection of that movie is that it's one of the weirdest movies ever. But we have to do like a stretch of like we'll do that garbage kid garbage pill kids the movie monster squad <laughs> well monster squad is not as weird no but uh, yeah you're right but, but like a, there, there's a certain like, like howard the duck <laughs> howard the duck probably would fit a movie called terror vision is like very much of that it's so caliber but it's so weird you think about like nowadays like you and i are in a, in a business where you know uh we aspire to do other things and and you think about going into a, a, a pitch and pitching some of these movies that actually got made with like not even like B movies. I mean, these are like you know A listers. That movie would not get made today. There's no way. Nothing that but movie. trouble. Yeah, I, and, and it, it even leaves off that like if that I don't think that movie did well, but it leaves off like that they're ready for sequels. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you remember that. But at the end of the movie, they're like uh, they still have like Dan Aykroyd, not Dan Aykroyd. Um, Chevy Chase is able to get out of there. He gets everybody out of there. and He gets back to New York City. And the place blows up because they're like on a, like I don't know they're like on some sort of oil or whatever natural yeah, gas, yeah. and they're they're interviewing Dan Aykroyd who's like 108 and he's like don't worry we're going to go stay with our friend he still has Chevy Chase's like license so he's like we're coming into the city and it could have been nothing but trouble anyway. too. Oh well, uh, we digress. <laughs> we digress. Uh, Another show. Yeah, you know I it's it's really got me into John Hughes watching this and it's and it's and it's it's just I like that it's it's. To a certain extent, it's po it's it has that positive ending. It's fun. It, it's a f it's it's to a certain extent a family film. It certainly was because when I was little, I watched it at that age. I was yeah, what, yeah. nine at the time or eight when I saw it. Uh, well, when you proposed it, you know, it's definitely not the kind of movie that comes immediately to mind to do for this show. But you were like, you know, for Thanksgiving, I think maybe we should think about doing something Thanksgiving. Like, what do you think about planes, trains, and automobiles? And I was like, you know what? Yeah, because, it, it, you know, even though, like, this movie and, like, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher have nothing to do, you know, couldn't be different, more different, like, there is, it's, it fits. Uh, yeah. Kind of perfectly, this is the kind of, like you said, maybe we wouldn't have rented it as kids, but our parents maybe rented it, we watched it, like, before they went to sleep. Yeah, it's, like, it's a Saturday night movie, like, there's a lot of those movies, which I wonder if they'll fall under our rules, where it's, like... It wouldn't. It wouldn't have been my first choice. But when I go and watch it, like you know, I clue. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll watch Clue, and then it's like it's a staple now for me. It's like a classic. But you know, it wouldn't have been my like same thing with. I remember going to the video store and like Rambo, First Blood. My dad's like, we're gonna watch this tonight, or like you know, or like the Dirty Dozen. We're watching. You know, so a lot of those old movies I was introduced to, and I can remember. Well, we we, we went to the video store. We got Rambo, First Blood. We went next door. We got a pizza, and we went home. We ate that pizza. We watched Rambo, First Blood, and yeah, yeah, changed yeah. my life. <laughs> You know, so it, it's it's interesting, and it, it's opened up like a. I, now I want to go explore like the John Hughes, or like, did he have anything to do with Adventures in Babysitting? I I don't think so. But this it's is another movie. Certainly seems like it's it. a Chicago uh, 
one of these movies, and, and I, I, he very well could have. I don't think he directed it, but he might have helped. He might have produced it. Or right, it, like, you know, I, don't, I really don't know. Because that's another one of these movies where it's so John Hughes is ridiculous. I watched that like two years ago, and I hadn't seen it in twenty five yeah, years, yeah. and it was so good. But it's another one of these movies where it's a time frame. You got it. You know, they have one night. They're lost. Yeah, they they yeah. get lost in the big city. Uh, that movie, I remember, kids. just being like a real sleeper, and that like everybody was thought it was like what a weird, not a we- not weird. It's like what a strange idea for a movie, but like. Not the kind of movie that people would think about as being kind of great. And then I just remember, like, even from the start, everybody was like, you know what? It's a really good movie. <laughs> it is. And it's weird. I remember in third grade, one of the, uh, the classmates had, like, the not the photo novel, but they had the novelization. So, like, it has that very iconic photo of uh, yeah, them going up Drew, the side of the... Drew Struzan uh, painted poster. Yeah, them going up the side of, like, the building. And they're all hanging for dear life. And then when we ended up watching it, I didn't realize... That movie came out in 87, right? So in 86, you have Stanley Kubrick made uh, Full Metal Jacket. Mm-hmm. And Full Metal Jacket, you have uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's in it. And he's very, he's, I wouldn't say he's overweight, but he's big in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and he's very iconic as uh, Gomer Pyle in, in that. The next year, in 87, he's in uh, Adventures in Babysitting. He plays Thor, the Thor character that when huh. they go to the mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know, buck fifty in that. <laughs> You know, 145, he's jacked. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I guess it's a testament to, like, you know, Kubrick was always notorious that he would take years to shoot his movies, so they could have actually shot the footage with D'Onofrio two years before the movie came out. But it's amazing to see, like, him a, a certain weight here, and then the next year he's not only lost weight, but he's, like, toned, and he's playing yeah, yeah, a yeah. Thor, you know, <laughs> looking like the Thor, and he's all like, you know, because now he's kind of, you know, to a certain extent putting that weight on, but he's just getting older as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting. But it's it's... This is the the, the wheelhouse of the, all these movies that, that you know these these iconic movies, which I hope they don't get forget forgotten, because yeah. I just think that nowadays, in my personal opinion, the movies that are coming out like fifty percent or more just crap. I've often said, and I think we even in our probably our toy cast uh, for side cast for Podwits at Podwits dot com, you know, I often say, and I acknowledge that probably everybody kind of thinks this about the their generation of when they grew up but i do feel like you know when we grew up was probably the best time to be a kid best the best toys the best cartoons yeah i think that period i would even bring it back a little bit because there's people i know who are older who are like in their mid-40s now so i'd say like the 70s you know when you had the advent of like you know i guess tv marketing when they realized that they can make like you know adventure play sets and you had like yeah, yeah. you know earthquake or emergency the playset or chips into the 80s and then probably into like the mid 90s and yeah, then probably yeah. when we got out of college it kind of like the ceiling or the floor dropped out yeah yeah uh yeah i liked it it was just it's just it's one of these movies that i just i look forward to putting on because like i i'm i'm i try to support the underdog and i feel like thanksgiving is just getting really marginalized and uh it, it's fun to just put this on and try to you know have something to look forward to before the Christmas, the Christmas season, and um, I, I've been bringing up cameos the entire cast. You <laughs> I, 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 got any more? You want yeah, to I do. I got I got one more, which uh, I don't know if anyone's going to pick up on. But at the very end of the movie, when um, he invites John, uh, John Candy home to his house, his family's waiting for him. Uh, Steve Martin's family, and they have both sets of parents yeah, over yeah. the house. So it's like the Steve Martin's parents and his wife's parents. Uh, when he go into the house. There is a gentleman there in the red sweater with glasses, and it is George Petrie. George Petrie is considered by a lot to be like the fifth honeymooner. 
and on the show The Honeymooners in the 50s, he was the guy that would always show up as like either like Ralph Cramden, Jackie Gleason's like friend on their bus, or he'd be like, you know, whatever bit part needed to be filled, it was George Petrie. And uh, he had a, a career in the 60s and 70s as well, but he, uh, he, he I think, ended up dying in maybe 2001 or 2002. And I run on Facebook a George Petrie tribute page. So it's, it was great to see, like, hey, look, it's George Petrie showing up. He doesn't even have a line, which is yeah, real sad, yeah, but it's just, it is George Petrie. Build is, I think he's billed as George O. Petrie in this, but uh, God bless him. Still getting some work out of that late in life. So, um, yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, I definitely recommend it. Uh, how many um, thingamajiggies do you give it? Mega Jolt Colas. I think we went up to five. I would give this a three and a half Mega Jolt Colas. Okay, yeah, I'd probably go four. Four sleepover stars. <laughs> uh, we, have diff- we have different, <laughs> different rating systems, you know. It's like it's like PAL versus uh, <laughs> NTSC or whatever it is, NTSC. Did we, did, I feel like, did we accomplish anything in this cast? I don't think I, we did. Like and it, we didn't describe exactly what the movie is. <laughs> well, I mean, it's 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 pretty self-evident. Trying to get home to Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's the kind of movie you know. In it past just, it cast, just goes. In past casts, we sit there, we kind of analyze the plot. I, you know, it's they're trying to get from point A to point B in X amount of days, and they're on a wacky adventure. I mean, there's a lot of really funny. There's a lot uh, of bits in it. There's, there's a, a lot, lot of funny. I mean, they live in the car. It even makes me laugh when he's doing these, when Steve Martin's sleeping and he gets his arms stuck. Yeah. And, you know, that's just, it's just pure comedy. That's the thing. Well, that's the thing is comedy. Like, we could sit here and explain it till we're blue in the face, but it's not going to be as funny no. as it is when you watch John Candy do it. So I don't think a lot of that stuff is worth us going into great detail about it's it. It's true, yeah. Um, it's just, just, you know, totally, you know, it's, it's heartwarming. It's funny. Um, it's the kind of movie that, unfortunately, I don't think really gets made too often anymore. No. And um, well, see, that's that's. See, I feel like a lot of that has died. For me, like the prevailing nowadays, the humor is more based in the cynicism of our generation, or uh, or just the dark blue humor, which I love. But I just think now we're just getting bombarded with every every sitcom has got to be like a, you know. And there's a little bit of that in John Hughes's movies too. Yeah, you know, but I mean, it's, but it is much more of an innocent way of approaching it yeah and, you know and it ha- and it, it wraps it up in a nice pretty bow and it's like and it, it's 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 like almost like life reaffirming like if you it, haven't seen it for a while i would totally say oh, like Jesus. revisit it this thanksgiving yeah it's good um and if you've never seen it I th- i'd say like what are you waiting for it's a it is like totally a, it's i would say like comedies of like the 80s it's definitely like I got to be on some kind. You know, it's got to be the best like, on somebody's list. Twenty, of, like or, no. you know, I don't. It wouldn't. I wouldn't put it like maybe top five, top ten might be also pushing it. But it's definitely up there. I mean, it's a great, fun. Like you said, very much for the most part, very much a family movie. So it's uh, minus that f bomb scene. <laughs> but nowadays, which you think your kids are probably watching yeah. that all every day. You know, I mean, that's stuff. That's, that's that's normal fare now. New yeah. and so you know, I, I I totally recommend. It. I'm glad we did it. Um, and uh, if you want, I totally would recommend Plant Trains and Automobiles, Dutch Double Feature. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. And if not, if uh, I think we should we should p- put Dutch on the calendar for next Thanksgiving. Yeah, we should do that. That's really interesting. What what are, what are yours? Do you have any favorite uh, '80s comedies now that we bring it up? Or what do you think are the iconic ones of the '80s? Like, do you think oh, I like I would think Vacation? The Vacation has got to be. Do you think they hold up? I watched Vacation. European vacation, and then I mean, 
take out Christmas. Christmas Vacation, I think, has now become... It's become its own Yeah, it's like it's like Christmas Story. But Vacation is good. European, I think, it, I think they hold up more for people nostalgically as opposed to, like... Yeah. It's a little more... The first one gets a lot of play in recent years, whereas European Vacation hasn't. Well, there's a lot of dark humor in the European Vacation. <laughs> you see her breasts at the beginning of it, I think. Uh, they're, they, they're making a porn tape that gets out. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's got a lot of funny... When they hit Eric Idle with the car. <laughs> Repeatedly, right? <laughs> um, 80s. Um, I'd say, you know, here's the thing. I don't think a lot of them hold up. Like, I watched Meatballs somewhat recently. Oh, yeah. And that was just not a great experience well it's like revenge of the nerds they you know how how good are those two you know gonna, you know, gonna they're be very your... of their time um porkies i mean there's very like that early 80s sex comedy uh ski patrol like adolescent <laughs> you know like teen sex comedy is a very specific kind of genre um, it totally nostalgic to watch because like those were the movies that at a sleepover you would either want to try to rent because of like yeah, the nudity. sexual nature of it or the or the nudity you know those are definitely movies that like you would want to watch on TV like on cable yeah or try, rent, to, try to get try to get <laughs> try to get past your parents for a sleepover um, but like I like uh, uh, I wonder if like the candies like I I, I love I think. To a certain extent, still holds up. Like summer rental, I think is great. Uh, I great outdoors. I haven't seen in like twenty or thirty years. And a lot of the Chevy Chase. Like see, like Fletch. People love yeah, Fletch. Yeah. That was just on today. I know it was on Cozy today, <laughs> and I, that's what brings it up. And I was like, it's okay. Because I, mean, I remember, the, remember in the early Fletch odds. Lives. Yeah, yeah. That's even worse. It's like, you know what? I, and I, I can't speak at all to the to the source material because I think it is off of uh, you know it's off of uh, a, a book but that was so iconic for Chevy Chase at the time but it's like I remember there was that huge push for Kevin Smith and like Jeremy uh, uh, what's his name Jason Lee to redo it like in the oh, early yeah, 2000s yeah, that never really came out and it's like I don't know I mean it's like you know Spies Like Us you know like you know Spies Like Us Ghostbusters that whole that whole era of it was a weird you know like Harold Ramis you take interchangeable. It's like John Candy, Harold Ramis, Eugene Levy, uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, Bill Murray, yeah. uh, John Belushi for a certain extent, but he kind of passed away before any of this. Uh, Chevy Chase. It's like all these guys. Well, here's the thing. I mean, you think like like the Blues Brothers was early. It was early. 1980, 80, right? Yeah. Maybe. So, I mean, that would fit. I would put Blues Brothers on that list. I would yeah. put... Um, you know, not a movie that I, you know, that I love as much as most people, but I would say most people would put Caddyshack on that list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, what what year is your movie um, with um, uh, that seventies in it? Uh, with Paul Newman. Oh, Slap Shot. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> that movie. I only watched because of you, and that's hilarious. That's I didn't it. see the sequel. <laughs> there's two. There's not like at least two sequels. With, with, was there a Baldwin brother in that? There's as well? w- there's a. I think Steve. Stephen Baldwin, I think, is in the second one, and the third one is very much like a Hallmark like movie. Like they might as well have just made it for like the Hallmark Channel. Like that's what the third one kind of feels like. Like there's like an orphanage; <laughs> they're trying to save it with hockey. And the, um, are the brothers in it? The uh... at least at least yeah, I think at least one or two of the, of the Hanson brothers are in it. That's um, so I, I think that this would make a list. 
I think definitely. I would think at least top twenty. If yeah, not, top fifteen. If, if not, you know, closer to the top. Have you seen Ghostbusters recently? You know, I haven't. I've been thinking about rewatching it just because of the whole the, all the hoopla. I'm almost afraid to rewatch. Well, it. Well, you know, that was weird with me. I've been wanting to watch it because you know, you and I we work in New York City. You live in New York City, so I want I I try to rewatch all these movies that you know I've seen that take place in New York City to see how New York City's changed. And I've been trying to watch this for a couple of years now. And, and coincidentally, we watched it for Halloween. Or not Halloween, but literally like a week before all this came out. Like it's a, I was like, oh look how how appropriate are we? Like you know that we're doing it right, and it held up, but it's not. It didn't. It's like and people kind of got on me about it. I was trying to say like, there's not a lot going on in it, <laughs> and I remember it being and people well, like, well, what do you what? mean? And I'm like, well, I remember so much more happening, but it's just basically like there's no like B plot, and I'm not saying you need it. It's still great. Yeah, yeah. It still moves. But it's just it's just so funny how quick and just how lackadaisical the plot actually is. You know, there's not I would have liked to see them doing a little more interaction like they do a one off where they go and get Slimer. But I would have liked to see them doing a little more of them going up to be number one as opposed to just yeah, you know, they, yeah. they're Ghostbusters, something's going on, and then bang, shit needs because Gozer's happening and, and, and uh, what's your face? Uh, 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 Sigourney Weaver. You know, it's just like that's it. You know, and I and I don't even know about the second one with what's his face, but, uh, Vigo, <laughs> or Go yeah. no, is it Vigo? I think it is Vigo. Vigo. The uh, Vigo, the something, the imp the impressor, Vigo, the uh, second one. You know, and that one bombed, uh, sadly. Um, yeah, you know, it's tough when you talk about movies of a, uh, you know, like people. The whole basis of this cast is kind of nostalgia. So, uh, you know, not the specific cast, but this kind of show. And um, it's tough It's tough when nostalgia is involved. You know, people love Goonies or, you know, whatever. You pick any kind of movie and it's... Some of them just... License you know, to Drive. <laughs> <laughs> License to Drive, you know. I've been thinking a lot about... Uh, Getting your learner's permit. About, uh, about Corey Haim recently. Uh, Lost Boys was just on over the weekend. Wow. And, uh, we should see if we can get Corey Feldman on this cast. And talk about <laughs> Corey Haim. Uh, uh, good, uh, good times, great oldies. Yeah, yeah. Wow. But, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, planes, trains, and automobiles, man. Yeah, good, good. Steve yeah, Martin, I love John it. Candy. Yeah, I, we, we wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, and uh, I guess that's all we have to say on that. John Hughes. Uh, yeah. God, God rest, uh, God his, rest soul. his soul. God yeah. rest John Candy's soul. Uh, taken too early. Um, so uh, have a good Turkey Day if you listen to this prior to Turkey Day. Uh, if not, uh, have a good future Turkey Day. <laughs> and uh, go check out Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, I am Dion Bay. I'm here with Jay Blake. You can check us out uh, at Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers, which is saturdaysleepovers.podwits.com. We're also both on uh, podwits.com. We do uh, the sidecast there and some other stuff. Uh, we write occasionally. Um, I'm also at furycast.podwits.com, which is a cast about Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos, Wahoo, uh, disseminating all uh, his comics uh, from his origins and stuff like that. And, uh, Blake, you've got some stuff going on as well. Uh, you can check out my music at jblakeblues.com. Got a new album out. You yep. can find all the information there. Yeah. Upcoming shows, even though there's nothing scheduled right now. <laughs> yeah, but who knows? By the time, <laughs> by by time you listen to this, there might be. Yeah, there could be. He could be playing the garden in a white in a white jacket, <laughs> or a white suit. So, oh well. All right. Well, uh, please check us out. Tell a friend about us. Uh, like us. We're all over the uh, the social media, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Later. Later.